0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Scribes, Bards, and Balladeers podcast. This is a podcast that's being hosted by We Are Tulsa Music in conjunction with BandAdvice.tv. I am your co-host, Mark Allen V, and this is...
1: Matt Mason. How's it going, Matt? Hey, pretty good. Guess who we got here?
0: Who do we got here? We got
1: Jeff Graham
2: here. Jeff
0: Graham. How's it going, Jeff? What's up, man? Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you here, so... What do we got? You're a
2: singer-songwriter, right? Uh, singer-songwriter. Uh, sometimes you might see me with a band. Uh, uh sometimes there might be a bass in my hand. Uh, sometimes, a lot of times, it's a guitar. Uh, but uh, I guess I'm down here to talk about the new Jeff Graham and the Juvenation album.
1: Sounds good. Well, so you, you've you've been working hard on this. Like uh, it's been a little ways in the in the making. As much of this stuff will be, you know, with the independent singer-songwriter thing around here. Tell us about it. Well, let me tell you where I wanted to record it, because I
2: just want to put a plug in for him. I wanted to get back out to Hank Charles, uh, who's got the great studio. I want to say it's somewhere in this part of town. Every time I, I'm lucky He's to in find Broken it. Arrow, isn't he? Broken Arrow. Bro- yeah. it, it was like, and I've uh, gotten to play there on Susan Herndon's album and uh, the Soul Surfero's uh did a, a project there and, uh, and I've done some stuff with some other people, but so that, that did not come to fruition. But what I was able to do was get in my, some of the regular people I play with, like Bill Pageant on drums and Jay Lesiker on keys. And we did it in my, what I call Blue Room Studios at my house and uh, where we, uh, we were able to record uh, acoustic guitar or electric guitar and uh, drums and keys uh, kind of laying a bedwork down, so it it did have that very much of a band feel, and uh, we didn't do uh, what I've had to do in the past is bring people in piecemeal, you sure. know, and have them click in and all that. So yeah,
1: it's a lot of uh, live performances. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot more organic that way for sure enough. So you, these are some, a lot of these are songs you wrote. You got some good co-writes on here too. It looks like. I'm thrilled
2: with the co-rides I got on here. I got Richard Higgs, who's a host of Folk Salad, uh, along with Scott Acock. I'm doing the Scott Acock song. I'm doing it twice because uh, I had two different versions, and I liked them both so much. One's with my son, Lewis playing drums, uh, and uh, pretty much something just, just Lewis and myself. And the other one's got Paget and Lisseker, uh my buddy Chris Gray over from Missouri. I was able to fly stuff. Uh, via the interwebs uh, to him, he put on a lead guitar and sent it back. And so Isn't that amazing! So that was uh, so amazing. How do you fun. do that nowadays? So uh, and then, uh, but yes, there's a uh, uh, co-write with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Michelle Marsh Baldwin, uh, Potter's Wheel. Um, there's uh, uh, like I said, there's a Larry Spears song, uh, "Promises Made of Sand," which I used to get to play. Down at Tom Skinner's Science Project oh, yeah. and uh that was like I always said I I I always kept it in my mind like, man, like Larry, what was that song where we'd all really get to jam out? <laughs> and it, it it was kind of one of those towards the end of the night kind of things and right. we're all just cooking and it was uh it was promises made of sand. So
1: Good well. Well, so how how long has this been out? It came out last year?
2: No, this is really really officially just i i'm going to call it out with it it's in your hands yeah um to, at the end of 2019 was
1: when was that that you were on uh, for, uh the folk salad that was the end of, was like right around the end, wasn't it? Uh,
3: we
2: just uh, they had me on there, yeah, somewhere in the last. Uh, they ran some stuff. Yeah, it was like yeah, this, it, it was yeah. around November yeah, or something okay, like that. Okay, so they yeah. they did. About I
1: loved four. it. That sounded really good, man. Well, you, thank you. You got some skills on recording and producing and stuff. Uh, well, it's like, as we were
2: talking with Scott Evans, it's uh, every day is a learning. Yeah, uh, it sure is. Sure.
1: And man, I just it gets to the point where you just you thirst for it. I thirst for learning.
2: Oh yeah, especially with this. It's like I wish I just I, I wish I could just go to school and mm-hmm. uh just like you know, learn logic. I, I record on logic but I've I've done Reaper and Cubase and uh um, even, uh, some audacity that's, you know, if, if it's free, you know, it's yeah. Free, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm a garage band guy myself. So. And yeah. I
2: love, gra- uh, some of that, uh, I think there's some garage band in there. Which, I mean, too.
0: that's uh, garage band is just logic light. Anyway. So. That,
2: that was it. And in fact, that's when I was going to, per- when I was looking for something else, someone said, well, if you like garage band, you need to look at logic. Yep, and yep. so I, that was that's led me
1: there. My next step. What keeps you going doing this? Uh, you know, it's, you, you You get those,
2: those songs that, you know, you, I don't write a whole lot. I'm not, I'm not real prolific. This is my sixth album since 1989. Okay. So uh that was kind of, uh so, but when, when I write them, I guess, I guess I must go through a little bit of a process of scrapping lots of versions. And I finally, when I get that version, then, then I'm just dying like crazy to record it mm-hmm. and usually record it with good people and and that kind of thing but uh that's kind of what sent me home from nashville was realizing that uh well there was a couple other things i love the town and i, I love my experiences there but i realized it was about volume mm-hmm. and i just those people that like they have to write a song a day or they might expire mm-hmm. and 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 i and i just and i thought well i love writing songs and i love when they hit me but i'm probably not that kind of volume writer right. you know yeah. and, and uh so I I did have some some publishing house aspirations for one time in my life and at least I can say I let a lot of people hear the songs, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, as many as I could, you know, working my day job as it were. Yeah.
1: And yeah. You, so you were out there what when was what time I was there
2: in 94 and 97 and uh um it was it was re- I just I loved every bit of it. I, I played bass for a real good songwriter named Rod Picott. Uh, in his band, and uh, he has written a lot of songs with, uh, he's written for some other people, but he just has had his own independent career, and he, he writes for with a guy named Slade
1: Cleves. Oh, right. Who's on Round One Good Year, I love that song. Yeah. Man, that's a yeah. great one.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, so I was kind of like, I was already pitching my songs and playing my songs, but I heard his, and I was like, I want to be around that. And he already had a guitar player, so I said, well, I play bass. And it kind of so helped that Rod was had been a bass player in many of these early his early bands, so it's almost like I had an onboard bass teacher. Yeah, cool. But uh, I did that project. I, I played with kind of a a, a country rock band with uh, who well, this is funny with the the first singer for Jackal. He's my my good friend Ronnie Honeycutt, and he's an Oklahoma guy. He had he had been with Jackal. The the that the guys that were in that band they they disbanded. And that's when Jesse James Dupree kind of said, well, yeah, I can reconstitute this band, but it's going to kind of go along my yeah. lines. Yeah. But Ronnie ended up getting some co-writes on that album that went platinum, so he was able to put, uh, uh, get his house in Nashville and he put a studio in and he put a down payment on a truck. But he also said, don't ever, ever, if you get some decent royalty money, do the take this job and shove it because you'll regret it into the next week yeah uh he said i guess he was living over in north carolina when he did that but that was real fun that was where i got to learn more country guitar and anything that i had learned and nashville was just kind i I, I think nashville was the end of kind of like where what was missing in my guitar vocabulary Mm. and so i i just tried to soak as much up as i could
1: Boy, there's some going on every minute out there. Every minute,
2: and and what was real fun was what I loved about Nashville was that you could do things like a, I could go rent a bass amp at eleven o'clock at night at a place yeah. and go play a showcase.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. And and then return it at one. You know. Yeah. It was. I mean, just that kind of uh things that accommodate musicians. You know. And uh, so, and you know, people also. They're used to someone actually having success with music in that town, so it's it's a different reaction than you get if you live anywhere else outside of maybe L.A. or New York or or Nashville. Is if you say I'm 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 music or I do songwriting, you know they don't they don't just shake their heads or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. they, they've actually seen people make a living at mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah, it's actually believable. It's <laughs> exactly. believable to them, you know. And so, <laughs> Yeah, totally so you you came back to Tulsa are you, you now you're from Tulsa and you you got some I'm roots li- in, in in Missouri don't you yes
2: I'm from Joplin but I lived in Tulsa in the uh from 68 to 76 moved back in 98 so I have lived in Tulsa longer and i have lived anywhere else on the planet but uh, uh there's a lot of part of me that still feels kind of half Missouri i I am a hybrid yeah <laughs> I really really am it's like if I'm Facebook I'm I'm in two groups. You might be from Tulsa, if, and you might be from Joplin, if. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, no. Uh, and when I when I came back, I had made a pact with myself to go back to college and finish a degree. I ended up finishing a teaching degree, but I uh, I, I thought I was done with music. And thank God for uh, Tom Skinner and Wes G- Gassaway. They had started uh, the. Uh, uh, uh science project down oh, there at science the at, at the blue rose and i was their first guest oh, all right uh, nice. uh, so uh and then they kind of let me do some kind of ad hoc lead guitar when other people were there
1: right
2: then they got gene williams and everybody knew that uh <laughs> there's a well, okay it's time for the ad hoc guy to take a breath <laughs> but uh um so so that that kind of like i was so busy with school and i really it's the in a, on a on a musician level, there were some points. It was I I've never felt like a so un musician in during that time and and Tom and Wes made me always feel welcome, all those guys that I was I could come down there and play my songs. Oh, yeah. And it, it it really kept me going. Then I got with Tex Montana's Fireball Four and that was that was kind of like you know, Jason in the Scorchers Fantasy Baseball Camp for me because I'm a huge uh, Warner Hodges fan. Oh yeah! And I had like, where can I put these licks I've learned from Warner? Yeah. Okay, well here it is. Totally. You know? So we went up uh, to uh, Lou Whitney's place in uh, in Springfield and uh, at the studio, and we did a we did a real fun, we really start to finish live album in the studio. Oh. It was it was just no overdubs, everything. And Tex was just on a roll that day, just smoking and drinking Dr. Pepper. And uh I was like How do you
0: smoke Dr. Pepper? Uh I think I think I think that she found a way, but it was
2: uh, you know, God bless her. And it was like and she just kept sounding better and better and I was like, This shouldn't be working, but it is. And uh so so that was fun and then my my teaching internship um kinda took over everything, so I had to kind of take a, a break from that band, but then uh Kind of out of that, I had made friends with uh, guys in uh, Brian Parton and the Nashville Rebels. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Bill Padgett, uh, uh helped kind of put together the next thing that I did was called the, the Painkillers. Uh, we had Neil Derrickson and Dennis Dusenberg for a while on base. And then we got Dave White. And it just seemed like it.
1: skin-tied Dave White. Skin-tied
2: Dave White. And uh, it 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 kind of kind of pulled all together we i think uh, we did a fun little demo in my garage over in 23rd street um where uh he uh we did uh, dave's uh he had an elisa say at situation oh, right. and uh we so we so there's a little three song demo uh that i'd love to just kind of get out there that that's all we ever really ended up doing so and we that was kind of funny that ran for about three years and then we ended up being Susan Herndon's backup band for the next three years, Ooh. so um, which was real fun. We that culminated with a gig at the Bluebird in uh, Nashville. They really liked her album, and I, I was I was doing the whole fake management thing, where oh, yeah. we're like like uh, where I'm with Big Boy Productions. What, what was your
1: name? What was your name that you? I used? had
2: something that I really liked. I can't remember, <laughs> but it was funny. I was teaching out at Skytook Middle School, and they called me while I was in class. <laughs> and they said we really like this album and so i didn't have to put on they they loved the album so it was an easy sell so we booked a fun little fort smith memphis nashville all we did it all in one weekend uh tour uh mini tour and uh that was the really the fun fun show was uh getting to see some of my friends i'd worked with when i lived in nashville they came out to the show awesome and uh um this friend of mine said you got a good crowd I was, it's like i see all the rhyming bags you yeah. know so uh it was like i, I, I it was in the spring so i think it was like the first big tourist crowd of the season or something right. like that so <laughs> so that was kind of and then really since then uh i've tried to focus on jeff graham and the juvenation and that's been the last 10 years uh doing different versions of it sometimes it's just jay lessiker and myself uh acoustically and on keyboards or sometimes it's bill uh padgett on drums and jay and myself and then in the we've i had uh karen mommy's on drums on on two tracks and uh real good uh bass player dave johnson who's uh played with uh, nude furniture uh he's on there too so uh (laughs) on a couple tracks so that's. This is kind of representative of a, kind of what I've tried to put my work into the last ten years. Is.
0: Well, let's go ahead and hear uh, hear one of the songs off of that. What are you going to lead off with? Uh, I think
2: it's a uh, Life of
0: Crime. Life of Crime. All right. All right. One, two,
2: three, four. <laughs>
3: I think I understand.
0: Like that, and it's got some good, uh, good driving guitar on it, and everything. So that's pretty cool. I can definitely
1: man. relate to the life of. Chris. Yes,
0: yeah, I think we all have uh, had our moments there, haven't we? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah,
2: man, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, when you, you you just think you think you've got things like figured out, like I've got a. I got my all those things that you think are going to work out when you're not when you're a musician and you don't have something like a college degree and you think, well, I'll get a job and 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 things will kind of settle down and I won't spend as much time at a pawn shop. And uh, uh, fortunately, I I picked out uh, teaching in Oklahoma, which is uh turned out to be uh uh, quite the financial boon. Uh, but uh... well, man,
1: I tell ya, you, you're doing great work. You're doing great work. Yeah, you're so touching it's... the future. You're shaping the future. That is, despite what the state of Oklahoma believes, that that should be rewarded way up there with you know, uh, the doctor and lawyer level. You know, at
0: I least agree, I, agree. I think. So well, you... I got two kids in public school, so I definitely appreciate teachers. So. You
2: start to relate to like, okay, I get. I think I'm starting to understand, you know, forgery, you know, grand theft, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I don't think I'd be good at any of it. No. I, I I think I, I'd be the first guy to say, well, how's this caper going to go down? You know? And I, and it, it's like, so, so I, I know I would be a real failure at it, but I, I you know, you, you just, uh, we went 10 years without a raise and it was like, uh, you just start to relate. You yeah. Know? And,
0: and so, so that's where that came out of. It's like watching those white-collar crime TV shows on crime TV or whatever. Yeah, "Mm man. Um, Where did he go wrong? (laughs) Exactly. But then you think
1: you're just like, man, if I got caught doing something like that, I mean, they'd throw me so far in jail, I'd have to pump air back to me. Oh, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And and another place I
2: would
0: not be successful. Oh, man. I wouldn't be successful there either. I've oh, seen yeah. Shawshank Redemption too many times. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so now, recently,
1: you were involved with the Soul Surfers, right? Yes. And so that that's taken a, a kind of interesting turn here lately. Uh, the bass player Kelly, he had now how long was he had cancer for a while? It was, I think,
2: diagnosed a, a year and a half ago, uh, maybe two years. I'm 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 kind of getting a little blurry on it, but. Uh, I I think that it, they might have just caught it too late. I'm not sure, but we still we were doing a gig at the Mercury back about three or four months ago. You know, so it's uh, he
1: wasn't gonna let him slow it down. He wasn't gonna let it slow no. Down. He he was he
2: was he was real determined. And in in the Surferos was his baby. That mm-hmm. was like he uh, I'd known him from playing in Larkin and Sarah Wagner and the Papa Delphics, and uh, he he gets he I think he messaged me or something and said. I have an idea.
0: And uh, <laughs> it's like I have
2: this project or this thing I want to do and and uh, I thought I was going to get to go hunting Bigfoot with him cuz <laughs> you know uh, cuz he liked to do that yeah. and uh and so um I uh then he you know goes surf and I go, Well, I go, Are we doing the Beach Boys or are we gonna do Dick Dale? He goes, Dick Dale Yeah You know, and I said, Well, I, I as a guitar player you like you would like to think you could at least try. Yeah. You know, it's like and, and, and every time I I tell you that miserloo it's like no, I, if, even if I practice that day, if I get through it, I'm like, I did it.
1: Yeah, that tremolo picking is not easy, man. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like you, if if you set your delay uh, at a right, you, you you give yourself a little bit of a break. Yeah, sure. yeah. I learned that a lot of surf was verb
1: and delay mm-hmm. combined. Man, did you see that show? He was uh, Parton opened up for him. It was like in probably ninety ninety something, like a Sunday night in December at Kane's. There's probably a hundred people there. He comes out and, like, within the first, you know, minute or two of Miserloo, he breaks a string. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, okay, your average person, they're going to be like, okay. <laughs> just be like, over. Yeah, you know. So, he he whips out a string. The band drops back. He whips out a string, starts talking to the audience, gets it on there. I mean, it, it was like he turned this into a, a showstopper, uh-huh. literally. Mm. It was like, wow, man. I just... I've never seen this before. This guy breaks a string, and it's not like somebody brings him another guitar all strung up and ready to go. Yeah. He's whipping this out of his pocket and putting a <laughs> string on and telling us a story while the band drops back, you know? And I thought... Like he rehearsed
2: it a
0: hundred times. Yeah, huh? that's
2: like that's real entertainment, you know? I, I, I got to open for him with Tex, and then I have saw him at Unit D, <laughs> yeah. and I've just like... I've been just... Was, he was—he just had a, a charisma. Yeah. You know, he really, really did. He had that kind of sly grin. You yeah. know, like you know, we were all. Boy, and he was
1: an interesting guy, man. Yeah. He, I mean, he had you know a lot of exotic animals. He was a pilot. He had those clubs out in L.A. Yeah. I mean, just a fascinating person.
2: He really, yeah, it really was. It's like, uh, you know, unfortunately, too. You know, he he had to keep touring almost yeah. up to his death. Well, just I'm telling to you, yeah, pay the bills.
1: I, I know. I was I was in Chicago, and the booking agent there was telling me about what he was going through, and this was probably, you know, four or five years ago. But I was like, really? She goes, yeah, man, he's he's having to stay out here just to, you know, the medication between him and his wife. That it was just an astronomical cost, you know. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, he, and the funny thing at the unit D show, I got, I got to meet Rick Nielsen's son who was playing oh, drums, Nielsen. who, yeah, who yeah, was yeah. playing drums yeah. for him and nicest kid, uh, in the world. And, uh, I had just seen his dad on one of those cooking channels cause he had, <laughs> yeah. he had a pizza place in Chicago. Oh, it's great. Yeah, It looked yeah, really it's cool. So. It's
1: great. So uh, I went there and I sat down great. and I, you know, you kind of look around there. It's not like a shrine to Rick Nielsen or anything, but he's got a few guitars here and there and there and. And so I see this kid, you know, and he's sitting there, and he's looking at this guitar, kind of sitting over at this table next to us. And he's like, I wonder whose guitar that is. I was like, hey, boy, that's Rick Nielsen's guitar. And it was oh like gosh. deer in the headlights, you know. I'm like, get out, get out. <laughs> Go to the front. Let, the, let them tell you who this guy is because, you know, you might be interested. Yeah.
0: Aren't they the ones who did the song for the, that '70 show? Oh, I know. I, that, <laughs> well, that was
1: kind of like right around the time when I started to get, feel like, Man, I'm getting a little old here, you know. <laughs> that's well.
2: That's a Big Star song, but I, to tell you the truth, I, I know this is just criminal for Big Star fans, but I, I almost like the the, the Trick version just a little bit. Right, it's, right. it's got a little more power chords, I think, yeah. and stuff. But I, I love both versions, in case Bill Paget's listening. So. <laughs> yeah. Big Star, New Maruno. Because
0: it was it was the second season, I think, is when Cheap Trick did the yeah redid it. So but, yeah, uh, yeah. It was like the first time I heard that, I was like. Uh, that that's is that Xander? That's uh, oh, coming man, yeah. through my TV. Oh, so man. good, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, they they're one of my one of my top favorite bands.
1: So back to sure. the Solferos then. Yeah, so yeah. you were you were doing uh, surf shows here and there with you know like some kind of frequency for a couple of years at least yeah
2: it? yeah we uh we got to do real fun uh i think we might have gotten to do blue dome twice i thought yeah we did that and the second one was real neat kelly got these dancers out for Wipeout. the these girls that had this real retro oh yeah stuff and they had the whole thing worked out and oh, I mean, awesome. that was that was for a while we were going that's going to be our end with the casinos as, yeah we'll present it as a whole show with with dancers but yeah i don't know you know we're i guess they call me. Stranger things have happened, man. And so, uh, so we yeah, and we got to do, um, we got to do some fun opening things at Unit D. Uh, uh, thanks to Ilanka and Jeff, uh, having us. Um, we uh, got to do a show. We provided the drums for Joe King Carrasco. Oh, and I was completely. I just remembered him as he seemed like kind of like a cut rate B 52s when he had his MTV. Era, I had no idea he was a really good guitar player, yeah. and he had this uh, second guitar. Uh, I don't know if you ever have seen Web Wilder. Oh, yeah, okay. Web's always got something interesting going with both guitars, yeah. They're they're, they're rarely doing the same exact thing, mm-hmm. kind of like Brad and Joe and Aerosmith or something, yeah. So, so it was like that. Uh, this gu- guitar that uh Carrasco had, this guitar player. Had one of the most realistic keyboard sounding pedals that he would just yeah I, I think he must have been an actual keyboard player uh-huh. but he would because what he did was like you could close your eyes and like well they just added a fifth guy that like I just, a synth. Uh, some kind of cool pedal that was just made, made basically could do a really good Hammond mm. uh, sound and stuff like that. But anyway, Carrasco is one of those guys who like, once he starts playing, you almost have to ask him to stop.
0: <laughs> and uh,
2: we're, Zach's going, you know, I got school the next day, you know, or, or something. I got, I think he had, I got church. And it was like, uh, cause we thought it was going to shut off around like 1130 or something and. I don't think he stopped till somewhere between 1230 and one, but I mean, it was a great show, but it was just like, he's like a Springsteen kind of guy. Yeah. It was like just going and going and going. So yeah, we got to do a lot of fun things, uh, with the Surferos. We made a good recording that I still want to do something more with, uh, that we did out of Hank Charles. And, uh, kind of a, an act that I got playing with in the same time frame uh we only do about two car shows a year I play with Brian Dunning who used to be with the Poison Okies right. and FBI Is this uh, the Rock and Roll Trio um he had he a guy he had JD McPherson uh we used to play guitar right. for him and we, and we even play still play some of JD's songs uh, but it was a uh, Poison Okies were kind of like the biggest name and, and but everything I was at doing over in the surf kind of applied itself to doing the rockabilly stuff yeah. with brian and so i've never seen two bands complement each other better for like oh i can i can just bring this i was just doing this with the surf i'll just keep that tremolo going you mm-hmm. know and, yeah oh yeah and so so that that's kind of be, between the juvenation and brian dunning and in uh the Surferos, that's what i've been doing in a lot in the last five years you mm-hmm. know
1: so well yeah you know I, I've, I've kind of been watching you off and on from afar you know and sometimes close too, you know since i got to town in the 90s but i always thought you're doing some interesting stuff and you know, just...
2: I, I gotta say, you're you're one of the people that just keeps rock alive in Tulsa, dude. And, 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 I, I mean, it's uh, what keeps me alive. When you know? I see Matt Mason, I know I'm gonna see a cool Marshall stack, <laughs> and you're you're probably gonna see a Les Paul, and it's just like you know, you just feel like, yes, you know that that makes me feel good. Well, man, <laughs> it's just, you know,
1: anything to keep going. I mean. I just kind of got to the point you know yourself too probably sounds like it's like hey i don't really care exactly what i'm doing I, you know the thing i thought when i was going to be doing when i was 16 or 17 that's totally different than, oh, yeah, that's than, it, than than it was then you know what i'm really doing but you know it's just kind of like there's a whole world out there that hey you know i learned something from this band i learned something from this recording i you know went away that maybe you didn't think of when you were 25 or 35 or whatever and it's just kind of like the joy really is in the journey everybody laughs at that saying but i believe that to be true it it, it really is it's
2: like even when you, you get done with the project and you're like oh okay it's nice and i'm done but i guess i'm done you know it's like what's next but, yeah but uh uh we were talking about that in my class the other day and this girl goes what do they mean by you know the journey and i go well, I go, you know, you're supposed to enjoy the ride, you know, kind of thing. I go, but I tell you what this does not apply to is debt. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. I have never enjoyed the journey of debt. Yeah, yeah. right. And, uh, <laughs> it's
1: like, and it's a long journey to get out of. <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs>
2: so it was that was funny that That's a awesome. student
1: brought that up. I, well good. They must yeah. be learning something then. Oh, well, they're
2: they're I, I gotta say, uh, I teach at Broken Arrow High School and um, my students out there, uh, they honestly are what keep you going there yeah. it's like i'm i'm just a great bunch of people uh that i've been teaching uh this year uh and uh it's it's just kind of uh there's because there's a there's a lot of uh, how the sausage is made uh behind the scenes uh machinations uh they go on with uh, what what they want you to do for, based on some timeline and blah 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 and all that and then you you kind of got to shut that out sometimes and just go and have a good time with the, the kids sure and so it's uh they they've they've definitely uh, kept me alive this year so
1: all right man it's yeah. it's cool you know yeah. the youth keeps us young you know
0: <laughs> but they the, cause us to lose hair and what's yeah. left turn gray
1: <laughs> between my my students
2: and my kids they'll, they'll have so many references that I can't make even even if i've seen the movie or right. something you know <laughs> like like a, hey you know like my son's a king of this and it's like he'll refer to some movie and it's like it's a movie I've seen, and I just love. But I, he, he's got the minutia of it, yeah. you know,
0: memorized, you know. But uh, every now and then you get a win. A couple of months ago, my my youngest daughter's looking out the window, and somebody had pulled up an RV, and she goes, "That right there is an RV." It's like, yes, Christmas vacation. <laughs> <laughs> got him. So, parenting win. That's a that's a big one around our house. <laughs> okay, on the subject of parenting, you wrote a song for your daughter. Do you think you can go ahead and play that for us? Oh, uh, sure. Awesome. Sure. What's the name of it? Uh, It's called Sunny Day. Sunny Day. All right, here we go.
3: (laughs) She's as fierce as the north wind blowing across the sea. She loves with a passion, now she's yelling at me. She sleeps, she's an angel, nothing more, nothing less. Now it's a morning. minded but she's got a way of being her she's got a
0: Oh, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I've got, uh, you know, two kids that tend to fight, but they also got each other's back a lot, too. So that's awesome. A great song. I I personally, as a songwriter, I find that uh, just writing songs for myself have been the most rewarding and also the easiest. Would you find that same way, too?
2: Well, I really did try to, you know, it's it's. Funny, there's there's certain songwriters that you just go, I just don't know if I'm on that level, so I, I go back to what a lot of writers say, write what you know. Right. I go, well, I I know this part of uh, life, and and it's I I at the same time you hope that someone sees something universal, because uh, I've got a song about my boy on the album, uh, and you know it refers to when he was three. And so obviously it that was a that was an older song at least the idea came from a really magical summer when he had like just an, an incredible Little League baseball coach it was a, so it kind of came from that but it's like um, I you know and when I'm not writing what I know it's I, it feels like it's time to write with somebody else mm-hmm. and so uh, that was what was real neat was I always knew I wanted to do Larry Spears Promises made of sand that was like, this is gonna happen whatever the next thing I record. And then Richard Higgs started sending me something. He goes, What do you think about this? Do you think this could be a song? And then I looked and I said, Yeah, I think it can. And so we did La Pierre's Blues and we did a Perpetual Emotion Machine and uh so uh and there were a couple other co writes. So I I'm noticing that I, I I'm I feel like lyrically and this is, I just turned 56 yesterday. I feel like. Happy birthday. Thank you. It's <laughs> like, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm running out, but in a good way. Like, you know, I, I've only ever had so many things I wanted to say in the mm-hmm. first place, but what that leaves open the door with writing with other people. I want to take their their thoughts and just see what I can do just as a musician and, and a ranger. So.
1: Every Tyler needs their Perry. Every. <laughs> every Jagger needs the Richards, every, you know.
0: So when you collaborate, do you, uh, do you tend to do it face-to-face or are you doing this through email and stuff like that? It's more email. It It probably
2: is. It's like they send send them to me and then, you know, and then when I finally think I've got something presentable, I put it on GarageBand or something and send it back and go, what do you think? You know, is this anywhere close? And uh, one of my favorite co-writes and it's out on YouTube, I wrote with my uh, friend I made from my Nashville days, John Hood, and, uh, we wrote a song called Hurricane, and that was largely—he's—he's he's a big poet, and uh, and I, I met him in my Rod Picott days, and uh, in in Nashville, and uh, he's uh, still someone I'm, and we're we're talking about trying to do it again mm-hmm. uh, this summer, you know. He's he's been sending stuff, but it, yeah, it's a lot of email.
0: Okay. It is, it is. Well, have to get your email address, maybe bounce a couple ideas off you yeah. sometime. Yeah, would be a lot yeah. of fun. So, because I I get to a point and I'm sure we all do you get to that certain percentage of the song you're like uh, I just need that one line and then you can get over that hump and sometimes you know, just getting fresh ears always helps so. yeah it's
2: it's like i if i see some fun words i just it gets me strumming it mm-hmm. gets me like okay let's oh, what about a b minor here or something like that you know let's try that but something i did that it is probably not typical of someone having their own album but Jay Lessiger has a song and he played it to my daughter and myself one night. It's called uh it, it's uh well it's on there. it's a long way down I believe. It's like uh it's a long way down. There long way well. down and it was it sounded like one of those I was trying to imagine like in a Disney animated thing where maybe maybe one of the uh um the the villain almost uh or someone <laughs> who's giving a warning, you know, it's a long way down but anyway, played it to my daughter and we just thought that's a cool song (laughs) and so bill and jay and i ended up recording it and i just said jay i know you've kind of been toying with the idea of an album and he still is and he's recorded some cool demos but could we put this on here because it really is us and we play it at the shows Mm -hmm. and uh and it's it's absolutely my favorite recorded lead i've ever ever done and i'm gonna have to just finally learn it because every time i think i can fake it i i i (laughs) i don't and it's like and uh so so it's on there and it's and i think it's one of the better recorded songs on on the album
1: too awesome so, man so I, yeah jay's an interesting character he he, him and i played together for i don't know a few, few couple of years maybe you know did some duo gigs and he was part of the band and just had a good time, you know. He's an interesting character. Well, when you listen to the album, I really think he's kind of uh, the hidden
2: star of the show, or not so hidden. It's just, there's a, I, 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 uh, I got... The, I sent uh, to... Uh, I sent uh, one of the tracks that he's on to uh, a friend in Kansas City who just doesn't always dull out, uh, uh, you know, compliments right and left. He's, you know, he's just he's, he's real, you know, kind of waits on those things, and he goes man that piano just killing it you know so
1: yeah he's real tasteful
2: it was uh it was kind of and what was neat is you're seeing he's he's had a lot of years where he's kind of finessed some of those parts mm-hmm. and it, so it was kind of neat that a lot of them were worked out on a live setting
1: so. yeah absolutely so where can we where can we find out about what you're uh, up to up well, to the minute? well there <laughs> up until recently there was a
2: jeffgram.com but i i uh, wicks felt like they were it looked like they were charging me twice in one month and i i I had to go back to the uncatchy uh wix uh you know where i'm not paying for the domain anymore but there is a jeff graham uh music page that's out on facebook and i think that's a great portal Mm -hmm. and it's got uh the uh, uh site for where i teach guitar and bass it's got I think it might have even had the Soul Surferos in there, and then it's got my my website. So Jeff Graham uh, music page on on Facebook is probably the best place. Awesome.
1: And SoundCloud and Reverb Nation yeah. maybe as well.
2: Some of these tracks are the, the, that are actually on this are at SoundCloud, uh, and uh, I want to do the CD Baby thing as soon as I can get the money to. All i got to do is send them in five copies. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they'll get me out in all the digital marketplaces and
0: all that kind you of stuff. You can do digital only on CD Baby now too, if you don't want to mess with trying to have the copies. So
1: well, there's that.
2: So because so. it's it's literally been ten years since the last album, so I'm sure a lot has changed. Uh,
0: yeah, if you just do the digital only, I think I think for an album it's like around thirty bucks.
1: You
2: no, know, it's nine dollars a song. That
0: sounds
1: sounds right. If you go to the pro publishing, it's probably like a little bit right. more. But they run sales all the time,
0: you know. Uh-huh. And you can pre-purchase. So I pre-purchase a block of singles for like seven bucks a single. Okay. And uh, gets you on Spotify, Apple Tunes, uh, yeah, Apple iTunes. I was on to say about, all... about thirty thirty some odd services streaming and in, in, uh digital stores all so.
2: my older stuff is all out on spotify and it's on itunes and everything so this uh, hopefully will join his mm-hmm. uh, his brethren
0: uh there but uh so when i look for your stuff what is it listed under uh you can go to uh mark five music on youtube is kind of where i'm putting my stuff right now okay. and uh I put a song out under Mad Dog Mark and the Blues Sounds as my Christmas time Blues. Then under Mark Allen Verthal is my classical guitar pieces that I've written. And then I've got one under Mark V, but I've got to change it because there's another Mark V out there. And he's kind of a hip-hop guy with this guy named Poogie. And I don't want to be associated with Poogie. (laughs) But I'm getting ready to release a bunch of stuff in the next, uh, probably within the next three or four weeks. And it'll be under Mark Allen V. So, but. Uh, yeah, if you just go to Mark 5 Music on YouTube, that's really, about okay. the, or on Facebook, there's a Mark 5 Music page with the mm-hmm. numeral 5, and it'll be on Facebook. So.
1: What about Matt Mason? HurricaneMason.rocks. It- <laughs> all right, there we go. That's the portal to all of it. To it's dependable. It. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, you read all this stuff all the time, and I, I've been seeing lately, you know, it's not necessary for a musician to have a website. And I'm like, I can kind of see where that would, you could probably do it that way. And I, I did it that way for quite a while. I like
2: your website, though. But, yeah, fun. I mean, it's just got... having
1: a site, you know, I, I think, okay, no matter what happens with Facebook or SoundCloud, I mean, every day it's like another thing you got to right. get on. Another right. platform. I you mean, have your own
0: domain. You have your own address. It's a one-stop shop. Yeah. And I, I do have the mark5music.com. I have not built that thing out yet. But, you know, to your point, though, too, is when you're posting stuff, let's say you have your, your, your songs on all these different, platforms and you post something on Facebook. Hey, go purchase my stuff here. Well, nine out of 10 people may not be on Apple. They may be Android. So how do you do it? Well, you can use your, your website as the link itself. So now you post to that particular thing and it's got all the list. It's like the same
1: when, you know, when you would, you'd you'd release an album and okay, if you're really big time, of course, it's going to go into Sam Goody, Hastings, all the big chains, then you know, Maybe you just like, hey, I t- got a couple of these down at Starship, and I got a couple of them <laughs> my friend's store, and yep. still water. You know, it's kind of like that, only technology now. Right. You know, you I, know,
2: I don't know if you've gotten this. This is kind of funny. It's kind of like because I, I am with BMI, and I, I had the, this guy in Austin help me years ago, back in '89, set up my little Boys of Summer publishing or whatever. Well, it's like, um, I always thought, man, it would be cool if I just got some little royalty, you know, like. And not a while back, I got one for uh, you know, seventy-five bucks. Some something called Nicktoons had picked up something that was out there, but that got me. You know, th- then the next one was like for three dollars and seventy-one cents. <laughs> but it's like so. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, it's it's kind of you know we talk about there's the high end. I'm sure John Mellencamp has probably seen a, a difference in his royalty stream. But for you and I, mm-hmm. all of us down here, you know, there's no other, nobody else is going to send me $75. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so it's like uh, I was telling kids at school, I said, might as well go through the process of getting yourself, you know, listed with ASCAP mm-hmm. or BMI. And, and the,
0: you know, you never know what's going to come back. You yeah. Know? And there's so much more to it now, too. And in sound exchanges, uh, actually, they're the ones that are actually doing the streaming royalties for the performing artists you know in the united states typically the uh the artists did not get performance royalties they did not get spins on the radio they get the mechanical but not the, the, the performance because that's the way the record deals worked. so that they get the stuff on the radio but now with the internet and spotify and all that so sound exchange has stepped in to kind of help out there so there's another avenue and you got to just really understand all of that and get it out there because it 75 bucks here, wonderful, but then there may be another two bucks here, another five bucks there, and yeah. it just all adds up. It's a nickel and dime game. Man, it really or, does. like, you know,
1: I, I interviewed this session guy one time, and you know, he was telling me that, like, you know, he played all the guitar on on Saved by the Bell. You remember that show, Saved yeah, by the Bell? Yeah, okay, a lot one... of electric guitar on, <laughs> yeah, there. Mm-hmm. on that that one. That At one time, that show was running like six times a day in Tulsa uh-huh. on two or three channels, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know. I knew the composer, I knew the producer, I knew the music supervisor. You know, they cut they cut us all in on it, and he's just like, you know, everywhere around the world, somewhere, my guitar is playing somehow, you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, I might get a, a little bit here and a little bit there, but, you know, those kind of opportunities are just life changers. Yep, yep, they are
2: it's uh, it's getting a variety of things uh, you know it's like uh, one other project I just did a, a year ago and I thought I'd put it on there cuz he, he I know he'd, he'd like me to do this I did a thing for a, a friend this is weird uh, one of my early cover bands or bands I was in right out of high school uh, out of uh, Lamar Missouri we were it was my first road band and we did a lot of top 40 but we had a few originals well those were, originals were written by a guy named Mike Mallory and i always liked them we made kind of a real hissy a uh, lot of noise demo tape where i, I liked how it sounded but that's where kind of it sat and then that band kind of dissipated over the years uh, uh, But uh, anyway i got back in contact with him through facebook and he uh said well i have this idea that i want to do and he started sending me these mp3s of songs he had written with the guitar player who was in forces the band i was referring to before me and the stuff was done around 89 90 and it was just it it was very edgy you know i'd say for that that time really well done and i was like i was kind of mystified i was like what this? There was a lot of work put in this recording, and they, they, it almost kind of like I, some of the songs reminded me of Duran Duran with more muscle, yeah, <laughs> you know, a little bit, you know, like what if you had heavier guitars or yeah. something, but it had that pop side right. to, to it anyway. I don't, I guess, I, I guess this never was released. I guess there's for we just did 10 songs, but I guess there's tons he wrote with this uh guitar player, Brian Sullivan. A guy just works at a radio station now over somewhere in Southwest Missouri, but uh, it was uh, when I looked at it, I I was really listening. I was like, "This is a criminal!" That I mean, it was. I was trying to kind of recreate it basically, and I did it in my Logic Pro studio and did it with a lot of loops. My son played on a little bit of it and uh but i always felt like people really should get to i wish that they would get to hear the original that i was working from but i was working from really it's almost like someone made a really, really good recording and dumped it down to a cassette. Uh-huh. Like, like you you spent like twenty five hundred dollars in the studio that day, and let's just mix it to this hissy cassette. So, <laughs> but it, it was real, really good stuff, and so I'm glad that people have liked it. But every time someone says something, you know, it's called Mike Mallory's low frequency uh, uh, drivers. And, uh, if you see on my Facebook, I try to post if he posts something, but that's me on guitar and bass and and putting together the stuff. And, uh, we had to bring a guest vocalist in for the stuff that was way too high for me, Mm -hmm. but then I tried to do most of the other stuff, but it was, uh, it was a little bit, it's not like my stuff at all. It's, it's a little different. It's almost like something that I would have done, you know, 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, guitar wise, but but anyway, it was it was a interesting project. But when they complimented, I'd say you should have heard what I had to work from. It was yeah. incredible. It was like the greatest lost album I think I've ever heard. Yeah, you know? man, so, I tell you,
1: it's, anyway, it's, sorry. Those stories like that are yeah. they're they're always good to hear and just wonder what could have happened. You know, it's just the never ending. He, made, chase. he even made they even made a video, and the video looked like it's something you
2: could have seen on MTV. Wow, you know? man.
1: That cost a lot of money back then, huh? Yeah, and I
2: think I think they did it uh, on a. They had some production stuff out at MSSC in Joplin, and that they had a, oh, ava- right available to them. Cool. Nice. And so it was. It was kind of like I just feel like you know. Well, you know, it's like if I ever if I ever got a hold of those masters, I would just take that somewhere and put it out and you know, say, "This is what you should hear." Does it's he nice. still have them? uh all all i know is mike had just these you know what was dumped down to to a cassette i don't was
1: recorded on
2: i don't know what they did it on you know it was like it was uh they but it was like you thought if i was hearing this that had been mixed to a cd this would just be ready to go yeah you know it was it was perfect but so anyway that was that was the first for hire thing i've ever gotten to do out of my studio so that was that was that was kind of neat you know
1: wow man well you know it's it's great that you can't you want agreed to come by and talk this is really cool i love your music and i love your work ethic and just everything about what you're doing keep on doing it man thank you playing around town I
2: hope to okay. uh it's uh I need to I did just play the the Daryl Starbird car show with uh oh, with, I saw that. That with Brian good, Dunning awesome. and okay, uh cool. Bill and uh Neil Derrickson and myself and we'll be in Salina, Kansas in the middle of the summer.
0: <laughs> right. so, awesome. Uh, awesome. uh
2: so but uh I hope that there's some Jeff Graham in the Juvenation coming right up. I need to I need to get back on the stick.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, great talking to you. So, why don't you go ahead and lead us out with one more song? What's what's the name of this one going to be?
2: This is a co with Richard Higgs of uh, called Perpetual Emotion Machine.
0: Okay, great. So, uh, until next time, uh, I am Mark Allen V. and this is my cohort.
1: Matt Mason. And
0: this has been Scribes, Bards, and Balladeers. Take it away, my friend. She's a perpetual emotion machine She's been kicking
3: and kissing since she was 16 The boys around here all think she's mean But the boys around here She's feeling blue She's got a strange reason It's a tale or two. It keeps coming back But it never comes true She thinks about around her With a wicked grin Who woos her away To a life of sin But along comes her daddy With big strong hands knocking down the door To take her back again She's a perpetual Since she was 16 the boys round here